by downloading or listening to this podcast. You are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. I'm Danielle Reed, and this is Moody's Talks, Focus on Finance. In today's episode, my co-host Michael Porta is with me in New York to talk to banking team analyst Alan Tischler and insurance team analyst Jasper Cooper about the effects of higher inflation on banks, finance companies, insurance companies, and asset managers. Michael, hi. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be here, Danielle. Thanks for having me on. So, Michael, before we get started, I just want to acknowledge that today, the date this podcast is airing, is a special day, May 4th. Any idea what I'm talking about? Uh, Cinco de Mayo Eve, perhaps? Yeah, well, here's a hint. Ah, Star Wars Day. Eh, Should have driven to work in my X-Wing fighter. May the 4th be with you. (laughs) Thank you. Actually, it's also a special day because it is the 50th episode of Focus on Finance. Right. Uh, Time flies in hyperspace, I guess. It feels like the first edition of Focus on Finance was recorded in a galaxy far, far away. And that first Star Wars film came out way back in May 1977. And speaking of the 1970s, our topic today is inflation, the likes of which I don't think we've seen in the U.S. since at least around that time. So before Alan and Jasper join us, what's the main takeaway for banks, insurers, and asset managers? Well, the key takeaway from Alan and Jasper on those segments is that the risks of an inflationary environment, especially a prolonged one, outweigh the benefits for financial institutions. Though a prolonged scenario, I should add, is not the base case. So the benefits come in the form of higher interest rates, right? Which are actually the result of central bank policy that's meant to contain inflation. Right. You know, taking banks as an example, the Fed and other central banks raise rates to contain inflation. And initially, that's actually a pretty good thing for banks' net interest margins and profitability. But on the flip side, costs, particularly personnel costs, are also going to go higher. And if monetary policy tightens a lot in a short time, that'll stunt economic activity, which could make for some asset quality problems because borrowers will have a harder time making their payments. Of course, monetary authorities are going to try to avoid that scenario. They don't want to raise interest rates so much that it winds up in a hard landing or a 70s style recession. You know, it's interesting because for most of the last decade plus, the refrain has been that interest rates are too low. And now that they're higher, it turns out that's also potentially a source of problems. Right. But thankfully, we have Alan and Jasper here to help us sort that all out. Alan, Jasper, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Before we get into the potential pluses and minuses of an inflationary environment for banks and other financial institutions, Alan, maybe we could start with you uh, with just a brief explanation of what our central scenario for inflation is at the moment. Sure. 
Well, as you indicated, Michael, inflation is currently running at multi-decade highs, but our base case is that it will ease later this year and in 2023, and that would keep risks for banks and other financial institutions contained. But it is important to keep in mind that so far, inflation has exceeded expectations. And if inflation stays high or lasts longer than we expect, the risks for banks and also insurers and asset managers would rise. So if I follow, our base case is that the action central banks are taking uh, in the U.S., the Fed, probably going to have the intended effect as soon as late this year into 2023, which will slow inflation down and basically create a soft landing scenario. That's right. And in that case, what, what does it mean for banks? Uh, what's the result for their bottom line or, or other, other factors? Well, there would be an incremental earnings benefit because higher rates will boost banks' net interest margins and overall profitability by unlocking the value of their low-cost deposits. Uh, and keep in mind that these initial rate rises follow a period when interest rates were historically low and the spread on banks' deposit businesses was really low. But we think higher personnel expenses could erode a lot of the benefit from higher net interest revenue and expenses overall. Uh, I mentioned personnel expenses in particular because they are a large share of banks' non-interest costs. And for example, in some emerging markets like Latin America, wages will definitely rise because of rigid labor legislation and robust labor unions that help protect salaries from higher inflation. Also, any net interest margin benefit in any system will depend on how much banks have to raise their deposit costs in response to higher interest rates. Got it. So important to keep in mind, as you mentioned, that you know we're coming out of a, a period of near zero, if not negative rates. So natural that the NIM benefit would rise. But overall, some benefit to banks' net interest margins, but much of that could be eaten by rising costs, uh, if I follow you correctly, in the base case. Yeah, that's right. The margin benefit uh, actually could be pretty significant because, as you say, margins are, are low, coming off a very low base of rates. Uh, but that benefit, we do think, could be constrained or, or offset to some extent by higher expenses and also by reduced loan demand. Right. I mean, we have had a, a near zero rate environment for some time, so that makes sense. And you know, speaking of low rates and changing rates, I was going to ask you more specifically about mortgage rates. I think they're now over 5% in the U.S. for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. That's up from around 3% a year ago. What effect is that likely to have? Yeah, that's right. Uh, higher mortgage rates uh, are already noticeably slowing down mortgage origination activity. Uh, and we think that non-bank mortgage lenders are probably perhaps the most vulnerable sector within the financial institutions uh, to a sharp rise in interest rates. Right. We cover uh, several uh, non-bank finance sectors in the report uh, that you and Jasper contributed to. Uh, are non-bank mortgage lenders the only highly vulnerable sector there, or is there any other segment you'd call out? That's a good, that's a good point. And uh, we, we also think that in addition to the non-bank mortgage lenders, non-prime consumer finance companies are potentially vulnerable. They, those are the ones who lend to middle and lower income families, who of course are among the hardest hit by rising energy, food, and housing prices. Right. Uh, that makes sense. So those are the implications in uh, our base case scenario. What if it's worse? What if uh, inflation doesn't recede toward the end of this year, as we currently expect? Where do things go? Well, risk would certainly grow in that kind of scenario. For, for example, uh, some of banks' deposit funding could erode if alternatives become more attractive. 
uh, banks' asset risk would rise because of reduced debt affordability. Uh, and depending on the strength of the economy in that scenario, business investment and loan demand uh, could be meaningfully curtailed. Also, although many banks' resilience will benefit, we believe, from what has become routine regulatory stress testing and scenario analysis, uh, risk management mis- missteps may be exposed if there are significant monetary policy surprises uh, or a hard landing, as you suggested earlier. Right. Speaking of stress testing and scenario analysis, am I correct that that's primarily a feature of banks in developed markets, the US, the euro area, or is it broader than that? Yeah, good question. It, it's certainly ingrained in uh, many of the developed markets, uh, as you mentioned, uh, but we think uh, it's, it's also incorporated into many banks globally. Uh, and, and really, the routine stress testing uh, is one of the benefits that came out of the global financial crisis, where, where banks uh, incorporated that into into their ongoing activities and, and risk management policies. Thanks for that clarification. And sticking globally, uh, we also touch on emerging market banks in this report. What are the key distinctions in how inflationary environments affect the emerging market banks uh, compared with developed market banks? Yeah, it's a great point. And uh, our colleagues who cover emerging market banks uh, have noted that net interest margins in some of those markets uh, are going to be somewhat less sensitive to inflation because of a focus on fixed rate assets and liabilities. Uh, and that reflects those banks' experience with bouts of inflation and sudden changes in monetary policy. However, credit costs of emerging market banks will be sensitive, perhaps more sensitive, to inflation and higher interest rates, reflecting the strain on many borrowers from higher prices, uh, as well as higher debt servicing costs. Uh, and moreover, those higher loan impairment charges in emerging markets uh, also will reflect comparatively weaker borrower credit quality and higher loss given default because of less efficient legal systems uh, that hinder prompt repossession and monetization of collateral. Thanks, Alan. You cover a lot of ground in the report and you covered it even more economically here. Uh, appreciate the insight. Thank you. So what about insurance companies? Jasper, what would you say are the benefits to insurance companies of higher interest rates? And also, what are the risks from an inflationary environment? Thanks, Danielle. Uh, Well, a lot depends on how high and how fast interest rates rise. So for PNC insurers and reinsurers, a gradual increase in interest rates as a result of inflation is positive for investment income and profitability, although rising rates could also hit their balance sheets in the short run as their fixed income investments decline in value. Having said that, PNC insurers generally have fairly short durations and usually hold fixed income investments to maturity, which limits the impact. Aside from interest rates, an inflationary environment creates claims inflation for insurers. For example, a cost of parts for auto repair and used vehicle values have gone up, raising, co- raising claims costs for auto insurers. And for homeowners and commercial property insurers, construction costs have increased. Right. They've really gone up a lot. And so I guess property casualty insurers have to do some guesswork up front to estimate just how much claims inflation is going to go up, right? That's right. And if claims inflation is beyond what P insurers have estimated when they price their products, it can reduce their underwriting profitability. There's also a delay. So when insurers, they first have to estimate the changes in claims inflation, they have to incorporate it into their pricing, they have to file rate increases with regulators wait for policies to renew at higher rates, and then finally earn in their premiums at the inflation-adjusted rates. Another big impact is when inflationary pressure hits PNC claims reserves. 
causing insurers to need to re-estimate the money that they've set aside to pay future claims. Reserves are the largest liability on balance sheets for most PNC insurers, particularly those that specialize in long tail lines like workers' compensation and general liability. Right. So it, it really gets pretty layered and there's a lot of estimating and re-estimating that goes on. What about on the life insurance side? So similar story there. A gradual rise in interest rates would boost investment returns. Additionally, a steeper yield curve would make many spread-based insurance products more attractive to consumers, which aids sales. But a sudden steep rise could cause policyholders of in- interest rate-sensitive insurance and annuity contracts to surrender those policies. That could mean life insurers would have to sell bonds to pay for those surrenders, which could squeeze their liquidity and profits and depress regulatory capital for them. But just to be clear, it's possible this could happen, but it's not our base case scenario at this point. Got it. Now, a lot of life insurance companies are also uh, increasingly asset managers. So how does inflation affect the asset management side of things? Yeah, well, for asset managers, inflation is pretty much an overall negative. One way to look at it is inflation is generally not good for financial market performance, and financial market performance really drives asset manager performance. High volatility could also cause outflows, so asset managers could end up managing a smaller pool of assets, which would reduce their earnings. Also, certain kinds of less liquid investments, alternative investments, which are higher yielding but also higher fee, those might look less attractive when interest rates are rising on more liquid, lower risk investments. I see. So really not too many positives there for asset managers in an inflationary environment, it sounds like. Jasper, Alan, Michael, thank you all very much for your insights. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you're listening to this show on a streaming service, please remember to follow or subscribe. And if you'd like to read any research referenced in this episode, you can find it by clicking the link to this episode at about.moody's.io slash podcasts. Also, please tune in again on Wednesday, May 18th for the next episode of Focus on Finance.